Please open your Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 9. We're going to get invited to a feast in the Proverbs. Actually, two feasts. You have your choice, though, which one you want to go to. (laughs) You tell me after the uh, message which one you chose, okay? Proverbs chapter 9, we're going to, I'm going to give a little bit of an intro and then we're going to jump right in. You know, we've been studying in the Proverbs the call, to wis- the call of wisdom uh, to men and women, boys and girls, everyone in the world. Wisdom calls out. But we've also learned that there are many other voices that call out to us, that want our attention, that want uh, our allegiance. And so we need to make those choices in this world. We need to choose between the call of wisdom, the call of God's voice, just leading and guiding us by his sovereign will and his uh, perfect uh, plan, or the voices of the, the world that, that call out to us and, and sometimes are very attractive to us. We've also seen the results of those who follow the ways of the world. We saw the results of rejecting wisdom's call as we studied some of the Proverbs. And we're just going to kind of review a few of them. In Proverbs 1, verses 24 through 27, we see the scorner rejected wisdom and met destruction. It says, because I have called you, remember this is wisdom calling out, Because I have called you and you refused. I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdain all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. You know, God's voice calls out to us and and, you know, we can reject and reject and reject. And at a certain point, you know, God will say, okay, I'm going to give you over to your passion, to what you have decided is most important in your life. And that's what happened there as the, as the scorner there met destruction when he rejected wisdom. In Proverbs 8.36, it says, But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. So we see here the fool rejected wisdom and was led to his own death. He listened to foolishness and it, and it resulted in his own death. And same thing here in Proverbs 5, 22 and 23. In his own iniquities entrapped the wicked man and he's caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. So we see here that man thinks he's got a great plan and he goes down those, those roads against God's will, against the wisdom of the scriptures, and he actually will get caught up in his own unwise plans. See here about the one that rejected wisdom and, and went to hell in uh, Proverbs 9.18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. 
Again, in Proverbs 7.27, her house is the way to hell. Now, again, we see wisdom personified. We see foolishness personified. And sometimes it's personified in Proverbs, as we've seen, as a wicked woman. But again, think of it metaphorically as just the world calling out, the world's attraction to us, calling us and trying to get our attention. In Proverbs 7.27, her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. So we see as we've studied through the Proverbs, and we're going to continue to see it all the way to the end almost, that there's always those choices. There's always that, that option, you know, the, uh, one way or the other, the two paths, the two choices. And we can see so far that rejecting wisdom is foolish. Rejecting wisdom as foolish. And this is where we need to make a choice between following God, following His ways, or following the world. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we see here God's, really His, his plea with the nation to follow His ways. And He says, in verses 16 and 17, in, in that I command you today to love the Lord God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and your, the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. So we see here that God wants us. He's desperately pleading with us to, to follow the way of wisdom to follow his instructions. But look what he says in verse 17. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away, see, that's what happens when the call of the world, the call of the enemy, the call of sin comes in, we're drawn away. Our attention is taken away from God. When we're drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, and then in verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Look, God is telling us, I, and it's very clear, it's either life or death. It's blessing or cursing. You choose. You choose which one. As we see in, in, uh, when we study Proverbs 9, there are two banquets, there are two feasts, that the invitation goes out to us. And it's clear which one that we should choose. So he says there, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, God's saying. Choose life. Choose my ways that both you and your descendants may live. Choose the wise way, not the foolish way. God is saying here, there's no middle ground. Do you notice there's no third option? There's no middle ground here. There's no straddling the fence. We either follow Christ and live, or we follow foolishness and die. And again, that's, you know, we die, obviously, we die spiritually when we choose to follow, uh, when we reject God, when we follow the ways of this world. But you know, there are sometimes even physical you know, consequences of us following the ways of the world. And so, you know, God's, God's plead there throughout the Proverbs and continuing in Proverbs 9. So we're going to jump in in Proverbs 9, the first six verses. It says here, Wisdom has built her house. 
She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She also has furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. So here we see wisdom calling out from the high mountain, calling out to all who would hear. We see the sumptuous banquet that's prepared. You know, furnishing the table and sending out the maidens, mixing the wine, making the bread, preparing that beautiful feast for all those who would, who would receive it and accept the invitation. Notice the seven pillars there in verse 1. Seven, always the number of completeness in the scriptures. Wisdom here represents fullness of character, fullness of substance. There's nothing lacking. You know, sometimes people think, you know, if we follow God, we're going to miss out on something. You ever, you ever hear people say that? You know, that, you know, that just the world has so much to offer me, and God, there's so many, you know, don't do this and don't do that. We're going to miss something. God's saying here, wisdom is full. She's hewn out seven pillars. It's complete. There's nothing lacking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's complete in what, in what he wants to do in us and what he wants to do through us. And by, you know, because of that relationship, we're complete. We're, we're, we're going towards complete completion or fullness in our relationship with God. In Colossians 2, 9 and 10, Look what it says, for in him Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. That's us. Those who believe, those who follow Jesus, those who follow his ways are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say we are complete in of ourselves because we're not. Without Christ, we are lacking but with Christ, we are complete. So we see the choice here to accept the invitation of wisdom and all the benefits that come along with that. Or to accept the invitation of foolishness. Of foolishness. And, you know, we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. It says in Proverbs 7.26, again, speaking of the different choices here, what happens when we follow foolishness? For she, for she, folly, has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. So, again, we saw that when we studied that, that proverb, that it's not just the weak who fall to the, you know, to the uh, temptation of the, of the wicked and of the foolish. It's the strong too. In verses 7 through 9 in Proverbs 9, it says, He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, 
And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. So you see here in these verses, it's teaching us that it's better, sometimes it's better not to respond to someone who's a scoffer or someone who mocks God. Sometimes it's better not to engage them. Did you ever notice somebody who's really antagonistic towards the things of God that it's, sometimes it's just difficult to have that, to engage them at all, difficult to have that conversation? It says here that, you know, sometimes correcting a scoffer, you bring, bring shame upon yourself because you, you think that they're going to hear you. You think they're going to receive it, and many times they won't. Sometimes their mind is just made up, and they probably won't receive your correction. Now, I think this, again, as we go through the Proverbs, we see normally what takes place when things occur, but I think we each have to pray about that. You know, There may be situations where God is telling us, no, I want you to address this person. I want you to go, and I want you to speak to this person, and he may, he may mock you. He may reject what you have to say, but I want you to go and I want you to bring him the truth of, of the gospel of salvation. And sometimes we just have to receive that. We have to do as God tells us to, to do. On the other hand, a wise person will accept const- even constructive criticism, but certainly they'll accept you know, good things that we tell them about, about God. That's somebody who's wise. In verses 10 through 12, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But for me, but, uh, for by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. So we see the theme of the book of Proverbs here restated in verse 10 a healthy fear of God, a respect for God, honor for God, you know, giving God honor and, and then seeing that he will honor us because of that. First Samuel uh, chapter 2, the end of verse 30 says, but now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So we see God here understands, recognizes that when we honor him, he desires to to bless us. In verse 12 there, it says, if you're wise, you're wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. Notice the the effects of our choice to follow God or to follow the flesh. We bear those consequences ourselves. You know, maybe it may affect others, but ultimately we we bear those consequences of our choices. Now we saw the beautiful invitation to the Feast of Wisdom in the earlier verses. Look at the, the contrast here between those first verses and these next few verses in verses 13 through 18. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city, to call those who pass by, who go straight on their way. 
Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. So notice some similarities there between the first invitation and, the, and this invitation. Um, both of them were up on the highest places of the city. In other words, what they're trying to do is they're calling out to everyone. Everyone within earshot, they're calling out the invitation. They, they both also call out to the simple, to those who lack understanding. Basically to the, just the, the normal, everyday person. Wisdom is calling out and foolishness is calling out. But notice a couple of things here. Wisdom calls out to all who will hear with an invitation for a feast to be enjoyed by the one who responds. The call of foolishness is loud and boisterous. It says in verse 13, she is clamorous. The menu of the wise feast is meat and wine and a beautifully set table with servers to wait on the guests. What's the menu on the foolish feast? Stolen water and hidden bread. A little bit of a difference there. But I think we have to understand here what, what, the, uh, what Solomon's trying to tell us. He's trying to say sometimes the allure or the temptation of something risky or dangerous or kind of you know just a little bit off there's a there's some temptation there there's an allure there and sometimes people think that it tastes better that way you know it's a if it's a little bit risky you know it might it might uh, uh, appeal more to us but really that kind of logic appeals to someone who lacks understanding not someone who's wise you know it, she really dares not invite the wise person because they'll, they'll see her for what she really is. And the application here for us is that our decisions, our choices have consequences and ultimately will determine our destiny. Now, I love the way Jesus puts it because, again, we see these two options, two choices, two roads, two paths we always see. In Luke 16, Jesus says, in verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So again, Jesus is sort of reiterating that theme. We need to make a choice, life or death, wisdom or foolishness. And so... And so just to keep those things in our mind as we, as we walk through this life, when all of these choices are put up um, before us, you know, that God's saying, okay, I gave you free will, but you know that I can give you the wisdom to make the right decision. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, we're going to move on. Proverbs chapter 10 has a lot of little one kind of one-liners that are good to memorize and uh, good to think about. And um, we've got to get through the first few verses, but then it really gets into sort of one-liners. We'll read through them. I'll give a little bit of commentary, but they kind of speak for themselves. In verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. 
<laughs> Whether son or daughter, the behavior of a child affects the parents, right? I know that I can get some amens on that. It's a reflection on the parents, as well as a demonstration on how, how well the children have listened to that instruction, have heeded their parents. So even though it's a reflection on the parents and it certainly has an effect on the parents, it's really the child's choice and decision. Um, any parent will tell you that if, let's say, their child gets in trouble by the law, they feel just as bad, probably worse, than the kid does. If their child makes a poor decision that results in something tragic or disastrous, the parent is just is always affected by that. But the other side of it, how proud you know, a parent is, is of a child who does some honorable thing or, or helps someone in need or you know, just makes, makes a, a good life for themselves. So we see that effect there. You know, Solomon is, um, you know, was speaking to his son in a lot of the Proverbs, you know, saying, my son, heed my words. You know? And so he's seeing here now, he's trying to say, listen, I've told you all these things. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, verse 2, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. Again, we see here the preferred result of the deeds of the wicked and the righteous. Not necessarily promises, but kind of the way things ought to be, the way things should be. You know, a lot of times we see the opposite of the wicked profiting nothing. Sometimes we see the wicked prospering and the righteous suffering. But I think we always have to keep the perspective that no matter what we see in this world, God will eventually make everything right. And so we always have to think about that future, you know, that where God will will set set it all in order. Now we're going to move on to that sort of comparative, that contrast section of the proverb where we see kind of the normal result of certain actions and behaviors. And, you know, I like to take these, you know, uh, and just read through them and maybe commit some of them to memory and, um, you know, and just remember that they're not, again, they're not promises necessarily. It's a generalization as to what we observe, as to what will happen most often, or what we can expect God to do because of his nature. And so we may not see these things work out perfectly in this life, um, but in eternity God has the final say. So we'll jump in here in verses 4 and 5. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise man. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So here we see the contrast of the lazy person with the diligent one and the, the, resulting, uh, the results that come from that. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. This indicates here that the righteous will have blessings in this life as well as a legacy when they're gone. You know, think about that. You know, the wicked will either be remembered for their evil deeds or just kind of forgotten as if they never even existed. 
But the righteous person will have a legacy that goes on even after they're gone from this world. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. Prating here means um, babbling or chattering. So a wise person receives instruction and applies it, while the fool disregards instruction to his own ruin. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. The two paths a person can follow, integrity or, or perversion, you know. Integrity brings a secure life. You know, in- integrity allows you to sleep at night, doesn't it? Just put your head on the pillow and say, you know what, I, I, I feel that, you know, I'm a man of integrity, I'm a, one, I'm a woman of integrity, I can lay my head on the pillow tonight and go to bed and go to sleep and get a good night's rest uh, where I'm sure the one who perverts his ways has difficulty sleeping at night, you know. He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. Again, the contrast between like a scheming person and, um, you know, and uh, someone who's, who's honorable and righteous. Verse 11 gives the opposite of a babbling fool. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but lovers, love covers all sins. This is talking about a relationship between people. You know, when we love someone, we'll forgive them, you know, if they, if they do something, you know, that, that hurts us. We want to maintain the relationship. You know, the Apostle Peter even quoted this proverb when giving his instructions for living. In First Peter verse 8, um, uh, 4, 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. You know, and how much can we take that to heart in this world? When people hurt us, you know, whether it's on purpose or accidentally, inadvertently, you know, we get hurt. We need to really be able to just use our love for others to cover those, uh, those sins. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. So here Solomon is saying here, instead of amassing great monetary wealth, he's telling us wisdom is of much greater value. Much greater value. It's not about the 1.5 billion in the Powerball. It's about wisdom. It's about using that wisdom in this world. So uh, just consider that. The labor of the righteous, verse 16, leads to life. The wages of the wicked to sin. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. So the, the labor of the righteous leads to life. So, we're, you know, as we do things in this world for God and, and, and God works through us in this world, we know that there's a good outcome that comes from that, from righteous living. 
from doing things according to God's will. And, um, and in, even, even the Apostle Paul speaks of the wages of sin. In Romans chapter 6, he says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see that, that uh, contrast there between sin and righteousness. Both righteous living and sinful living have some type of payoff. So the question would be here, which one do you choose? Death or eternal life? Verses 18 through 21. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. So the Bible here is speaking of what comes out of our mouths. Slander or lying. You know, the Bible is always speaking against those things, that kind of speech. And... It says here in this proverb, in these verses, the best way to avoid the sin of gossip or slander or talking about someone is to just exercise restraint. Just don't talk so much. <laughs> because I, I, I go back to that, that, that old saying, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know? And it's really, about, it's really about that. It's about restraining your speech. If you have nothing good to say, if you only have lying or slanderous things to say about about somebody this is really speaking of you know falsehoods or, or or speaking slanderous behind someone's back you know not going to them face to face and maybe having something that that you see that you want to try to help them with that's not what this is this is this is slander or or gossip um, verses 20 through to 22 to 25 the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. To do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. We see here that uh, in verse 23, to do evil is like a sport to the fool. He doesn't think anything of it. The Hebrew word there for sport means hollow laughter or mocking or derision. It's like a game to him, you know. They don't understand that their evil doing has an effect on other people. He laughs it off like it's a big joke while other people suffer the consequences of his actions. You've seen people like that. We have people in the world like that. Verse 25 speaks of the short-lived nature of the wicked says here, like a whirlwind, you know, the wicked is no more. But a person with wisdom sees the big picture, and he understands that God will bring justice upon the wicked, and the righteous will eventually have their reward. Verse 26, as a vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. So I uh, had to do a little bit of research on this one. I know smoke to the eyes can burn, right? Uh, vinegar to the teeth, I guess maybe might have that same sensation. Um, 
but it seems to indicate here that there's, uh, there's a negative consequence to you sending a lazy man to do an important job. Okay, so to, to con- consider that. You know, it says here, it's not to the lazy man, it's not to him that the, that the warning is. It's to the, one, it's to the one that sends him. So it will bring distress on the one who sends him because the job won't get done right. What happens when you send a, a lazy person to do a job? You wind up having to do it yourself, usually, because he doesn't get it done right. So, so think about that. It's, it, it burns you. I think that's what, the, uh, uh, what Solomon's trying to say there. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but years of the wicked will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. So something to look forward to for us, for believers, for the ones who, you know, we have received the righteousness of Christ as, we've, as we put our faith and trust in Him. We have something to look forward to. The wicked do not. You know, look how in verse 29, the way of the Lord is perceived differently depending on the one's perspective. It says, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright. But the way of the Lord for the foolish or for the wicked is destruction. So it's the same thing. I think what he's saying here is that God's going to judge. We see the judgment as a blessing. The wicked see the judgment as destruction and, and death. Finishing up here the last couple of verses. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. So uh, the last contrast here, speaking of the speech of the believer, what we say, what comes out of our mouths. Remember, uh, what, what comes out of our mouths many times reflects our heart. So I think uh, you know, what Solomon's telling us here is you know, think about what we say before it comes out. You know, once it's out there, you can't get it back. So, the, you know, wise sayings, wise proverbs, things to live by in this world. So, let's pray.